Welcome to Western Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. By the way, we also announced uh, that in October, we're going to be hosting our very first conference called Salt and Light Conference. And... I want you to know, I shared with the board um, at the end of December, well, I should say at the end of the year in our last meeting, um, the, the two speakers that I was intending on inviting. And for me, they seemed like not a long shot, but like, who are we compared to their platform and area of ministry and influence? Um, but I just felt of the Lord that he was saying, no, these are the people and invite them. And I'm pleased to say that both of them replied with a favorable reply saying, we would be honored to be at your Salt and Light conference. And uh, I got the, the confirmation on Friday and I told my wife, she's like, you're crazy. And now she feels like stressed and pressure for October. And I was like, babe, I said, God's working already at both ends. And the fact that they both confirmed and... I said, I'm not worried because God's all over this. And as I'm, why am I sharing that? We're going to get to the word, but as we've set the vision in front of us for 2019, I'll be, I'm able to admit, it seems like it's more than we could handle as a church. But I'm not afraid because we said the vision has to drive us where? To our knees. So tonight, join me because I'm going to be the first one. I want these, like, you know, they're going to be worn out. I'll have patches on my knees by, by the end of the month because we're relying on God. Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These are the things that we are trusting God for. And, and they have to be birthed in prayer or else we'll say we did it. What we've set out for 2019 is nothing for us to be able to say we did it. It has to be he did it in us and through us. And I'll just put this in front of us again, that the vision for our church is not just so Weston gets a pin on people's map, on their radar, like, ooh, that church, something's happening. No, our heartbeat is for people. It's not to, to build a brand or to build a ministry out of this that's famous. The only person who gets the glory is Jesus. He gets all the glory. So, I, listen, I'm not in it so that my name is famous or popular. Or people, when they hear John Manna, they think, oh, I know what, what's going on there. He's a cool guy. I don't, want, I don't care about any of that stuff, and neither should we. What we are in this for is souls, people. And that the kingdom of God would advance in a great and mighty way in these last days. So if you could put your finger on the pulse of 2019's vision, it's, it's for people. We did this Renault project in 2017. We're still through our capital campaign to raise the funds for it. But guess what? It was always about people, right? Even the building, as nice and beautiful as it is, it's a platform for people to come and encounter God. Can you say amen? And this is our heartbeat as a church for 2019. Even for the conference, the whole purpose that it's called salt and light, right? I hope it's starting to click. We are called to be salt and light, not just in here, 
This is where we get more salty. And this is where that light, you know, like a glow-in-the-dark stick, when you charge it under a nice bright light, I do it for my kids all the time, and then we go into a dark place in the bathroom usually because there are no windows in our powder room uh, on the main floor, and that thing shines like you wouldn't believe. That's what we do here when we're gathered. But actually, the light and the saltiness of our lives, we're called to expel it and express it outside the walls of our gathering. The, thank you for the one amen for, for the, the one person who starts to get it, right? Or we just know it, but we feel uncomfortable with it. But we are called as sons and daughters of God, as believers, as Christians, to be salt and light, to not be ashamed of it, to not hide it. The church can be almost like a basket where we hide it because this is comfortable and this is safe. And we like it because it's cozy here. And it's very clean and it's lit. The light shines nicely here. Out there, guess what? That's where it needs to go. That's where it has to go. And so Salt and Light Conference is all about those of us who are called to have influence in our world, which is every believer. And uh, I share this in November with our, our servant leaders at Weston. I said, I'm going to change our name from ministry team to influencers. Because at the center of influence is you. You are at the center of influence. Some of you need a visual. When you go home or on your notepad or on your phone, write the word influence and look where the letter U falls in that word. You are at the center of influence. What are you doing with that opportunity? So that's just a precursor to what's coming in the fall. And we're going to be letting you know who the speakers are and, and all of this fun stuff that's coming up. Uh, and we'll release that in time and how the conference is going to run. Uh, one more thing about the conference. We will need a team of about 50 people to serve at the conference. And I know already in advance, it's not going to be like pulling teeth to get people to serve because we've shared the vision and the heartbeat. And now our duty as, as the church is to respond and to see that these things happen as God has willed them and as God is planning and preparing every step as a church that we're taking this year. I say all that to say I'm encouraged when our two speakers have responded. Why? Because I've invited them in years past and I've never gotten a favorable reply. And I just felt, okay, God, God's delays are not his denials. Can you say amen? And so I'm starting to understand. Flow with me for a second. We're going to get into the Word. And we have to fix that popping because it's happening like once a week and I know what we got to do for it. Um, but that's just a mental note that I'll listen to on the podcast when I hear it. So God's delays are not His denials. And I'm starting to see that maybe if a year and a half to two years ago, I was starting to sense what God wanted us to prepare for. It was just not the right timing. And, and now, when all of these things are starting to align, and the responses are coming back different than the first time, I'm saying, okay, God, I really must have heard your voice, because I'm seeing now you're preparing us, and you're preparing the other end of our invitations and everything that's coming together. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And so let's get to the word this morning 
with the time that we have. So Standing on the Promises is our series, the promises of God, not just people's promise or some vague promise. Standing on the promises of God. And today we're going to look at Abraham right in the beginning in Genesis. Um, last week we talked about the power of God's promises. Just a little bit of a recap. We established that God is not only a promise maker, but He is a promise keeper. And he's really good at keeping his promise. You can be sure that he will back up every promise. God always keeps his promises. Then we also looked at how the same power is seen in Jesus as he spoke the word and the centurion's servant was healed. If you weren't here, get, get on the podcast and you can, you can listen to it. So since God will always keep his word, we established that the question is not, will God keep his promise, but rather, will we build our lives on the promises of God? So God will always keep his promise. The question is not that, it's, will we choose to build our lives upon them? And then we ended by saying, for every problem in life, God has given us a, pro a promise. And the goal is this. To get so acquainted with God's promises that instead of pondering the problems, we will proclaim His promises. Right? So in this year of 2019, you need to get in the Word of God because this is where we find over 7,000 promises. Someone spent a year and a half, we said it last week, going through them, going through the Word to find the promises of God, they came up with over 7,000 promises. So you can bet, or be sure rather, we don't like to bet as Christians, but you can be sure that for any problem you might face in 2019, you can find at least one or two promises that you can proclaim instead of pondering the, pro the problem. Can you say amen? amen? So if you have your Bible, would you stand and turn to Genesis chapter 12, the first book of the Bible? Genesis chapter 12. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. And here's what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. In verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. Would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I know and I understand that it never returns void. And so, Father, I pray that your word would accomplish everything that you need it to in our lives. And Father, help us 
today to not just be consumers, those who just hear your word, but God, help us to be doers that we might contribute to the work you have. And God, that we would act on the word we are hearing today. Lord, we thank you. And I simply pray for your anointing upon me, your humble servant, that I might speak your word. And Lord, anoint my mind, my mouth, and my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Your problems don't exclude you from the promises of God. And God's promises don't exclude you from problems. Let that sink in a bit. Your problems don't exclude you from God's promises. What do I mean by that? You might think back to your life, maybe what you did this week, struggles you've had, and you might feel like God can't, like all these things and what, what I read in the Word, it, I've, I've, I have too much going on in my own life that's not good, too many problems, too many things, and you feel like you can't proclaim the promises of God. But I want you to know that that's just your thinking. That's just your thinking. That the promises of God are yes and amen. So if you feel like that this morning, what you have to do is you have to say amen to what God has said yes to. And you're going to hear me just reminding us about this in the next several weeks. Because it's important that you capture it. So that thinking is only from you. But that you have to align yourself with what God has said in his word. And then you can say amen. Yes, God. Because of what Christ has done, I know I have things going on. Now, sin is a different thing. Problems are more external forces that come into your life. That's when we're talking about problems. They're things that are realities that are not necessarily of your doing, perhaps. Sin will always separate you from God. And so if it's sin that you feel like is cutting you off from the promises of God, I have a simple solution for you. Get right with God. Get right with God. Repent. Because God has so much in store for you. What does repent mean? I know that that's a Christian word and you might not understand it fully. So if you feel like your lifestyle is keeping you from the promises of God and this is the direction you're heading, repentance means I'm turning it around. I'm turning it around and instead of doing what I was doing and going where I was going and, and hanging out with who I was hanging out, I'm turning it around and I'm choosing today to go towards God. I'm turning it back on my lifestyle, the, the choices I was making, and I'm choosing this direction. And that's what repentance means. Repentance, what it, what it doesn't mean is, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. Right? That's just, you got caught, and you feel sorry that you got caught, and it's like, someone, someone shame on you. Right? Repentance is not, I'm sorry I got caught, I really still want to do that. Repentance is, I recognize that there's a higher calling. There's, there's a higher standard that I'm called to. And it's a path of blessing. This is the highway. This is the narrow way. And so I just want to get that clear. So your problems don't exclude you from the promises of God. Now, on the flip side, 
The promises of God don't exclude you from problems in life. And I said we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham or Abram before his name was changed. And when we read this, and we read the seven verses of chapter 12 in Genesis, and it sounds so good. And it sounds so exciting that I will make you famous and you will be a blessing and I will bless you. These are all, it's like, yes, sign me up, God. Sign me up. I want to be blessed and I want to be made known in the earth. And he even tells him in verse 7 that your descendants will be so many, many. Now, I want to just walk through this a bit. It started with God asking him to leave home. Okay, some of us, maybe we have no problems like me. I was off to Bible school four years in New England, traveled up and down the East Coast, touring with our our school band, you know, ministering, playing drums all over the place, sleeping in host homes every single night, different nights, campgrounds. Um, One camp in Maine, in the U.S., that I promised I would never go back because the mosquitoes were so horrid at night that they ate us alive, and I hate mosquitoes. But but for me, change and and leaving home, it was hard in the beginning, but once you start doing it, it's it's not that bad. But for others, like my wife, for example, like just getting married and moving out of her parents' house to move into our apartment, that was like the end of the world for her. And I was like, babe, it's going to be okay. I promise. We'll go visit them. It's okay. They're not far. We're not like moving country yet. You know, so the yet, and she, she rolls her eyes. No, we're here. I love, I love the city, and, and God's not done yet. So we're here. But um, change is not always easy. And as good as the promises are for Abram, there are some complications and even some impossibilities. But, but check what God says. Leave home. What does that mean? Leave everything you are familiar with. Would you be willing to stand on God's promise if it, ca- if it called you to leave everything you were familiar with? I can't answer it for you. I can just pose the question and submit it for you. Not only did he say leave everything, but he said, and go to a land that I will show you. So the second element of leaving is the fact that there wasn't even a defined destination yet. There wasn't even a defined destination, but God was calling him to step out. Somebody say step out. God was calling him to step out. And so there, does, there seems to be a lack of detail in the instruction. Uh, God, where? <laughs> where? Now what we do know is that at, at the end of chapter 11, it actually tells us that his father was headed to Canaan, but they stopped in Haran, and they settled there. His father's name was Terah, and it's kind of like he never made it to Canaan. He just settled and he stopped in Haran. But then God finds his son, Abram, and moves him from where he settled with his father to now where a land where we know he's headed to Canaan. That's the promised land eventually. But he just says, to a land that I will show you. When we talk about standing on the promises of God... I want you to know that sometimes logic is removed from the equation. 
Because a lot of us, this is where we, we stop with God. Because if it doesn't make sense here, and it doesn't make sense on paper, uh-uh-uh-uh. <laughs> the number, what, there are no, how do we crunch numbers when we don't even know how far the journey is going to be? But you know what the Bible tells us about Abram in verse 4? When God finished telling him all of this, he packed up and they started their trip. And I don't know if you have the kind of faith that Abraham had to take God at his word. Little flashback to last week's message, but, but God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail when he speaks, what he says happens. And so in verse 4, you can read it if you want. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. And what I love about this part of Scripture is that there's, there's a bit more context to him packing up. And it's important that you and I just take quick note of it because it tells us, let me just get there, in verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot, that was his nephew, went with him. It tells us his age. Abram was 75 years old. Anyone here over the age of 75, out of curiosity? Older than 75? A few of us. Amen. God bless you for being here in the middle of winter. Abram was packing up. So this information is not just like, ah, oh, but let, let's just consider what it says. He's 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. What does that tell you and me, the reader? He had zero intention of ever returning. That when God speaks, you should obey and you shouldn't turn back. You shouldn't try to consider, but, but did we do the right thing? But maybe, you know, and, and listen, it's not quite done for Abram. They, they start on their trip and we didn't read it quite yet. But in just a few verses, we realize that when he gets to Canaan, there's a famine that they find in verse 12. Actually, verse 10. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. So in their going, in their journeying, they arrived to Canaan, and they built an altar. They worshiped the Lord. But then trouble comes. The famine is not a good thing, right? We all understand that. But it forced him to move to Egypt and live as a foreigner. So even as you are faithful to do what God has called you to do, as you stand firm on the promise of God's word, famine still might come. A season of famine, drought. There might be a, a period of time that comes in your life where you're like, God, what's happening? What's happening Where's the provision in the land? Lord, I thought that this is the path of blessing, that you will bless me and all my descendants. But now there's a famine, God. You see, we read it, we just kind of gloss over it because this is just a story of Abram. But what if it was you? This year in 2019, stepping out, standing on the promise of God, 
But now problems start showing up. Remember, just because we have the promises of God, it doesn't mean we're excluded from problems. But, but Abram's facing some now. There's a famine. So he's living as a foreigner. I don't know where God's promise for your life might lead you or bring you. But I want you to know, stay the course. And stay faithful. As a church, it doesn't matter how many times it's going to drive us to our knees or how far it might feel like we are from, from reaching these things that God has told us to do in 2019. But guess what? We got to stay committed to the course before us. It is the path of blessing. Why? Because God won't lie. God told Abraham, I will bless you. I will bless you. And the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So listen, though you might, f problems, you might face problems, know that you're not quite done yet. Know that it's not the end, but maybe it's just a stepping stone in your journey that God's about to show up and do something for you. And so we see that Abraham, Abraham is facing this. And he's going through all of this. And he's trying to make sense of God's promises in his life. They hit other trouble in chapters 13 and 14 with some of his family. Um, the Bible says that they increased in their wealth. I'm not, we're not going to read it. We're going to cover quite a few chapters this morning in the time we have. And I promise we'll make it to the end. But what happens is that um, as Abram's wealth is increasing, his nephew Lot is blessed as well. You know what my prayer is for our church? As we are standing on the promises of God in our lives and for our church, that there's a blessing that will come that is not just intended for you, but it's intended to affect and overflow to those that are around you. And it's important that you catch that and you see it. You are blessed to be a blessing. And, and so that's back to what I said for our tithes and offerings. We live open-handed. As God would allow blessings to fall into these hands, I release them and I bless others. Guess what? I have to have two hands open because God's going to give me more that I can keep blessing more and more people. And I believe that this is the flow and the channel that the church has to be for the world. Right? Revival is not something that is only intended for us to experience here in an assembled gathering. I believe my personal conviction, when revival hits our city, I didn't say if, I believe that it will happen. So when it hits, it's not going to be come to church at 7 every night. We're going to hold service. It's going to change our city. And it has to happen in the marketplace, on the street corner of Jane and Finch and Weston and Finch at Shepherd. Everywhere we go, we are going to see the ripple effects of revival because it's not meant to be held in a church building. It's meant to be released over the city. And the promise is this, that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And this is what happens when revival hits. It doesn't just affect you, it affects the city. It affects those who are close by. It starts here, but it flows out. And so Lot, his wealth increases. They have to split up. In so doing, he chooses a parcel of land. You could read it all later when you get home before tonight's gather encounter night at 6.30. But... Um, there's some trouble, and, and Abram has to go and, and help and intercede and, and rescue his nephew. 
But in chapter 15, we're going to jump there. Abram is feeling it now, and it's not a good feeling. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the, the dark cloud over his head. Like, God, you made these big promises, and, and maybe we're feeling and, and starting to see a bit of it happening and coming to pass. Um, but, but there's a big element that is still not happening. So in chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, I want to read it with you. It says, Sometime later... The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. By the way, do not be afraid is an incredible phrase and it's an incredible promise in the scripture. And again, I didn't count it, but someone counted that there are 365 do not be afraids in the scripture. And uh, last time I checked my calendar, there were 365 days. So whoever here or listening to this one day is struggling with fear, hear the promise of the Lord every single day, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And he tells this to Abram, do not be afraid, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. What is God doing? He's reminding him. He's reminding him, listen, it's good to stand on the promises because it's only week two into our series. But what are you going to do in April? And what are you going to do in, in May? What are you going to do when it's a week before conference and we're getting ready as a church to, to open our doors to whoever's showing up? Do not be afraid. We have to remind ourselves of what God has told us. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for your reward will be great. God is simply reminding him, because he knows your condition. He knows your state. He knows what Abraham, what Abram excuse me, is dealing with and, and where he's at in his thoughts and in his, uh, you know, in, in where he stands in all of these promises. And so he's saying, your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son. What good are the promises of God when I don't even have a son? You see, Abram logically knew that if I'm going to have descendants and, and they're going to be blessed, we have to have a child. Now, we didn't read it, but in Genesis 11, verse 30, it tells us that his wife Sarah was not able to have children. And so it's, it's interesting. We talk, I said it earlier, but I didn't share that fact, unless you know the story already, that there are some impossibilities, right? Not just hard things, but some impossibilities. And, and in Abram's case, as a husband and a wife, they couldn't have kids. So even though... God said you will be blessed and you will be a blessing and your descendants will be numerous. And Abraham could have, right, crunched the numbers, did the math, looked at the reality of their situation and the facts. He didn't have to pack his stuff and start on the journey, right? He could have just said, well, God, that's awesome. Thank you for those promises. But I know the reality of our situation as husband and wife. So we're just going to stay right here. Uh, in Haran. Um, 
Abraham didn't do that. He didn't do that. And neither should you. Abraham chose to, to step on God's word. He chose to step out, even in the face of the impossibilities. Now, even though he was obedient to set out, it doesn't mean that you aren't plagued in the waiting. It doesn't mean that your, your mind stops working. You still wonder, and you could still ask the questions, and we can wrestle with those things. And Abraham here is getting to that point, and that's why God is having to remind him of his word. God is reminding him, don't be afraid. Your reward will be great. And, and Abraham exposes his cards, so to speak. He gives us a glimpse of what's going on in his heart when he says it in verse 2 of chapter 15. Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And I think we have the verse, verse 4, but I want to read it right away. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And so God is tying together what he initially said, where Abraham stepped, to a second part now of this developing promise that he says, no, 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 you will have your own son. You will have your own son. And I want to submit this thought to you that if Abram would have never left his dad's house to set on this journey with his wife and with his nephew and all of his livestock and wealth, I don't think God could have revealed this second part of the promise. Some of the things, remember we talked about, the we're very logical and methodical and we like to know the numbers and all of that before we set out on a journey. Some, sometimes the first step of faith is what's required and then as you're on the journey, God's going to start revealing to you the deeper things that start to connect and align the promise of God in your life. And, and for those invitations, for those guest speakers for our conference, that's how I feel. It's like I announced it first here that we're doing a conference. Meanwhile, the invitation was going out to the speakers. Then we got the responses. I could have sent an invite, and after the no, I would have said, there's no conference. Right? I don't know who else to invite. These are the two people. But in faith, we announced it here. The responses came after. And I'm grateful to God for what God is doing. And so as... This is happening. God is telling him the second part of, a, of this promise that, no, this will be your child. This will be your child. And there's, there's a blessing that comes when you obey God, even if it doesn't make sense. And so the Lord uh, ends chapter 15 with a covenant promise to Abraham, to Abram. He makes a covenant promise, and that means that God will not break it. God will not break it. You could read through the rest of the chapter, but 18, chapter 15, verse 18 says this. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. What, a, what an incredible reminder in chapter 15. But then we get to chapter 16. And you know what happens? If you have a headline in your Bible, it says... Mine says the birth of Ishmael. 
I'm like, Ishmael, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What, what's the story with Ishmael? Well, let me give you the quick summary. Because some, some of us are like this. God said he's going to give us our own descendants. And chapter 16 starts by saying this. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. So what that tells me is they were doing everything they knew how. You could use your imagination if you want to. To make this promise a reality. And there are some things that you can't do. There are things, if God said it, that only he can do for you. But what happens in chapter 16 is they kind of get to this point where they start using this to make sense of the promise of God. And, and Sarai says, well, listen, I'm just going to give you my servant, Hagar, because obviously it's not going to be through me. So she says, take her as your wife. And, and guess what? Hagar gets pregnant. And God has to remind them that that's not the way it was going to be. And God has to tell them, this was your human plan. This is not a part of my divine plan for your life. And he said, yes, because Ishmael is your son, he will still be blessed and he will have many descendants. But this is not my plan. So he says, no, Sarai is going to be the one. You will have a child through her. And you know what their response is? They laugh. They laugh. It's okay to laugh sometimes. But this kind of laughing was almost like, I don't believe it. Like a mocking. I, I don't want to add too much to what scripture says. But if I could imagine, it's like a laugh of, I don't believe it. I, I, I mean, why would you leave home and step out, and, and you hear God, and God makes his own covenant promise to Abram. How could you do that and then laugh at God? Maybe we would have done the same thing. Maybe you and I are no different than Abram and Sarai that we think, God, this is taking too long, that I'm going to have to figure this out because it's been a long time. Abram, we said he was 75 years old when he left home. He was 86 by now. 86. What does the math work out to? Someone? 11 years. 11 years have passed. God, where are you? God made his promises to him. But we get a lot, like, we're a lot like them. We get restless. We try to do it on our own. We try to make things happen. And God says, this is your plan, and this looks like it's, you're trying to make it happen on your time, not on mine. 86 was not the year it was going to happen. But God, we're old. God's like, I know. I know. I know you're old. But guess what? Just because you're old, it doesn't mean I'm done with you. And I don't know, we had one sister who was willing enough to admit that she was over 75, Sister Nicola, just because you're old, it doesn't mean God's finished with you. And listen, just because you're young in this place, it doesn't mean that you're too young for God to start using you. And so I just want to say that God is no respecter of persons. 
And by persons, it's not like, oh, I have no respect for anyone. No. Um, he doesn't care about your class, your status, your socioeconomic background or position. God doesn't care how wealthy you are or how poor you are. He looks at you with the same eyes that he looks at everyone in this place. And my prayer is that we look at the world outside through the lens of God. Because how can we but love people and see them and see their need and their plight that they need God? And so it's not on man's time. It's on God's time. And so we have to be faithful. We have to be patient. Someone say patient. Because there are a lot of people in this room who I know, you're impatient. You're impatient. Listen, tonight at prayer, I'm going to come back to this. Tonight at prayer, you might be like, 6.30, how long is prayer going to end? Or, or when is prayer going to end? How long is it going to go? Because five minutes is my, my limit. Like, I don't even know how to pray. I want to say, don't stress out. Don't stress out about, oh, I, I, I really, I get intimidated. I understand some people pray and they sound nice and they pray longer than I can even. And sometimes I get caught up in the, what if I open my mouth and it sounds like a frog, you know, and my prayer sounds like, and it doesn't make sense or I, I jumble my words or I forget everything I want. These are things that I'm sure everyone thinks. If I, if I say, uh, Lewis, you're going to come and close the service with prayer, right? He's going to start thinking uh, of, of points to pray and maybe jot a few notes. I won't do it. Don't worry. <laughs> right? But this is how we are. And so maybe five minutes is your limit. Um, we're going to practice tonight. This is what we're doing. We're going to practice the presence of God. Praying. And, and guess what? It's communication. So... I don't expect everyone to know how to communicate or to be good at it, but we have to start practicing. We have to start somewhere. And so tonight, join me, join the leaders of the church. We're going to pray. Um, but back to patience. Some of us, five minutes is all we can stay for because we're so impatient. And, and we have to understand that what God promises happens when God wants it to happen. And so Abram... Ishmael is a byproduct, not of God's promise or plan, but of their human impatience to try to make it happen, act as a catalyst to say, okay, God, now, now start, do this. God in his goodness said, Abram, I promised your descendants will be many and you will be blessed. So Ishmael will have a lot of descendants, but that's not the way I'm going to do it. You will have your own child so chapter 16 basically is when you take matters into your own hands. We said Abraham's 86, 11 years pass. In chapter 17, as we are coming to a close, it's, I gave it my own title. It's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. By this time, Abram is 99 years old. 99. So... You could do your own math because I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to get lost in the math this morning. But from 86 to 99, okay, 13 years, right? I had to do it as I'm talking. 13 more years have to pass. But God, you promised. But God, you said. But, but God, you said that it's going to happen through us. 
And I understand now why they're laughing in chapter 17. Because they're so old, right? We established that already. But God doesn't care. Listen, if they were young, they could say, see, we did it. The stars aligned. We had the baby. We did it. When, when you don't have a choice, when, when the facts are against you and the, the realities are against you, you have no choice but to say, God, if this is going to happen, you did it. You did it. So God changes his name. And I've slipped a few times. I've said Abraham, but it's been Abram. And God changes his name in chapter 17 to Abraham. And the reason that God does that is because Abraham means that you will be the father of many nations, verse 5 of chapter 17. So he's reminding him, not only um, that have I promised this, but now your own name is going to remind you every time you hear someone calling you. And you will be the father of many nations. And he goes on to say in verse 7, there's a great reminder. I'm just trying to get myself there in Scripture. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So he's telling him, he's reminding him again as he's changed his name. Now look at verse 16 of chapter 17. Here's what it says. And I will bless her. Who's her? His wife, Sarah. He changed her name from Sarai to Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. So you see there's a progressive revelation now of this promise. First he's saying, I will give you a son and it will be your descendant, but not through Ishmael. But now he says, how? Through her, your wife, Sarah. And then verse 17, it says he laughed to himself in disbelief. So chapter 17, my title, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And sometimes we're a lot like that. We know what God says. We know the promise of God. But Lord, help my unbelief because it has been a long time. Or because everyone else thinks I'm crazy and I'm the only one still standing on the promise. Continue. Stay committed. Stay faithful, church. Um, and verse 21, God confirms his plan is to use Sarah again. And he says this, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac this time, not Ishmael. With Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. About this time next year. And there's something special about that phrase. And even as I was preparing in this message, I just felt God reminding us as a church about this time next year we're going to look back and we're going to see a year 2019 of God's promises fulfilled God's promises fulfilled about this time next year about this time next year I don't know if you're excited enough but about this time next year, we're going to look back, church, on your own life, on your situation, on what you were dealing with yesterday, literally yesterday, to, to what God is doing in you and through you in 2019. And you're going to look back about this time next year, and you won't be at the same level of faith that you were this year, at this moment, yesterday. And I'm speaking that in faith about this time 
next year. As we close, I want to jump to the end of this little story. It's not the end. It's actually just the beginning of God's promises. But look at verse 1, chapter 21. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Somebody say amen. He did exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at, catch it, just the time God had said it would. About this time next year. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Can you say amen? By the way, as I was reading through scripture, I was like, but how old was his wife? So she was 10 years younger. So 100 years old, Abraham was, his wife was 90. And she thought, I can't nurse a child in my old age. And she said, now people are laughing with me because God did what he said he would do. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet with me today, church? Listen, God has a way of turning your unbelief into belief. God has a way of increasing your faith and your expectation that he could do what he said he can do. And I just want to share and declare this. I hear the Lord saying, what you thought was dead is just asleep. What you thought was dead is just asleep. What do I mean? Sarah, this is dead. We're not, this is not possible. And I declare today it's just asleep. Whatever promise God has spoken over your life, I want you to know, and I declare it's not dead, but it's just asleep. And today we serve the God who calls back to life those things which were dead. And so today we are going to proclaim life. We're going to proclaim life. I received two uh, messages on the way into church about prayer. One is for Natalie and Francesco's little baby girl, Joelle, that they found pneumonia in uh, one of the lungs. And so we're going to pray. I told them we're going to pray. And we're believing that there's going to be a quick turnaround in this newborn baby's lungs. And God gets the glory. And then secondly, I got a text from one of my friends back home in Montreal, uh, who my age, who said, I never do this. I know it's Sunday morning. I know you're busy and all that. But he said, I'm feeling anxiety and like the enemy is going to do something in our, my life. Or I, he didn't really go into detail. Uh, he just said, can you pray? Now, he asked me personally, but the advantage I have is I have an army and a family with me that we can call on the name of the Lord together. You might have a need as well. We spent time praying before. Um, but as we close today, we speak life over situations, over like anxiety, right? What does the Word of God say? Do not fear. Every single day, when if you suffer or battle anxiety, remember that there are 365 times in the Bible it says do not fear. Do not be afraid. Same thing. Just said differently. And so when the devil tries to remind you 
and tries to instill that fear, how do you combat it with the promise of God who says, do not fear, for I am with you. And so in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray today as we close. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, that we are not exempt from problems. Lord, um, but God, even as you have made promises and as you would make promises, Lord, in this new year for us, Father, as we stand on the promises already established in your word, Lord, we do not fear. Lord, there is no room for fear. For your word says perfect love casts out all fear. And that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And so, Father, today I thank you, Lord, for the power that we find in your promises to overcome every problem of life. And so today, Lord, as we considered the life of Abraham, Lord, it, was, it, it took a long time for these promises to be fulfilled. Lord, they even made a mess of, of it in their own doing. But Father, you still um, had your way in the end. And so Father, today, whoever might be here within the sound of my voice who feels like it's just dead, Lord, may you help us to recognize that it's not dead, but it's just asleep. And Father, today we call for an awakening of dreams and of promises that have been lying dormant for too long. Lord, just as you reminded Abram, Lord, that his reward would be great. Lord, would you remind your children of your promises, Lord, that it requires our faithfulness every single day, that, Father, we will choose to build our lives upon the promises of God because they are yes, and we say amen through Christ Jesus who gets the glory. And so, Father, we even lift up Joel, this precious baby girl. And, Father, we command the, the pneumonia to be gone. Let the lung clear up. And we command it to go now in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for healing virtue. That it doesn't matter what, how, what distance separates us, but the power of God knows no limits or bounds. And so loose healing in her body, we pray. Let us hear the good testimony and report because of a praying church who chooses to stand on the promises of your word. And so, Father, your word says we are healed in Jesus' name. And so we thank you for it. And, Father, as we head into our week today, Father, may we be encouraged by your word today. Lord, may we not lose heart or lose hope, but, Father, to cling to Jesus, who is our firm hope and our anchor, firm and secure. So, God, we thank you. We love you, Jesus. Bring us back safely tonight for our encounter night as we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you promise in your word that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And so, God, bring us safely back. Back tonight, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.